Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today we're going to talk about the 2020 movie, Onward. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey, and I'm dying because this is the second time we've done this introduction. But I am the mom of a... Fuck. Uh... 19-year-old adult now. We said, made me promise last week that I was going to try and work on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's only fair, I think. I don't actually think now that we're so far behind our recording schedule that she will be 19 by the time this comes out. I think she will actually still be 18, which is still (laughs) adulty. And then a nine-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy. Um, I wanted to make note of the fact that this is a 2020 movie. I think that that's going to be like um, a caveated uh, moniker in the future because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of 2020 movies. No, the few that did come out at the early part of this year are historically going to be noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the Oscars next year? I don't I'm even almost... know what they're going to do. Because we don't do very many current movies, right? No, like, we really to don't. To date, we've only done, like, what, The Lion King and Frozen 2. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do typically talk about, like, awards, and that's not, like, a thing right now yet, or who knows when. Um, well, so, like, what, can, what to compare this to, the other animated movies that have come out this year are Scoob and <laughs> um, Trolls World Tour. I've seen both. Just watch Scoob. The reviews are correct. It's terrible. Maybe someday we'll talk about it here because I think it could be worthwhile. Oh, wow. It's that bad it's worth reviewing, which really should tell you mm-hmm. something. I have not seen it yet because I do read the reviews and I was <laughs> like, nah, fuck this shit. But My this... husband told me not to swear tonight, so clearly I've already started out really well this episode. Uh, we put the warning on it. We're cool. We're cool. We're good to go. Um, I feel like this movie in particular, I'm re- I So I am one of the lucky few who actually saw this movie in a theater. I saw this. I have it in my calendar because I bought the tickets online, and so it automatically populated my Google calendar with the date. On mm-hmm. March 10th. Oh, I went and saw right this movie in a theater. Everything yep. went to hell. And mm-hmm. probably at that point in time, no, and I remember we talked about it. You said, I probably shouldn't go to this movie, right. but I'm going to anyway. Yep. Yeah, I definitely had that conversation in my head like, should I be doing this? No, I'm going to do this. Um, so, yeah, I brought my son and we went and saw this movie on Tuesday for $5 because our theater does $5 movies. And um, I really liked it. <laughs> So I watched it a couple of weeks ago with the nine-year-old for movie night. Uh-huh. Turned out to be quite possibly one of the best choices I could have made for movie night with a nine-year-old ever. Yeah. Like, he loved every second of this movie, which for a nine-year-old with, I should point out, ADHD, is pretty noteworthy yeah Yeah. (laughs) so you'll if you listen to our last episode you'll know that we've obviously along with a lot of people are having are having some difficulty um 
<laughs> focusing on anything these days. Focusing, um, processing, doing right. things correctly, you know, putting our shoes on right. Yeah. I'm really glad my tennis shoes don't have laces these days. Right. So part of the reason why we chose this movie was because we both had such positive reactions to it. So obviously I think that's going to skew our thoughts about it. Um, but yeah, no going in that we both like this movie and were able to pay attention to it the whole way through. <laughs> I've watched it a bunch of times since. Like I feel like it's almost like me going and like getting back a moment of normalcy. <laughs> when I sit and watch this movie because like I can be like oh remember that week before the world fell apart yeah this one for me is much much different I'm gonna have some probably horrible sob stories to go along with this one and I'll just warn you already if you are a weeper yeah holy shit y'all I mean the beginning does me in the end does me in Several bits in the middle did me in, like, oh. But it's it's a good cry. It's not contrived. It's not forced. Yeah. It's all very, very sweet. I really, I like the story of this. Okay. So, I feel like in the same way that we had conversations surrounding, like, our mothers and stuff when we talked about Tangled, it's probably important to have a conversation around father figures in this situation. Yeah, probably. Um, I... My father, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to start breaking into a Hamilton song. My father wasn't around <laughs> much growing up. Um, he worked night shift. We didn't have a very close relationship. And then my parents got divorced. So, um, and then some some other stuff ensued and now we're no contact. Um, I am also adopted So I feel like I had almost an out where we didn't have a good relationship. So I didn't even have like the, um, the biological factor to draw me back and like give me the guilt that I should maintain a relationship with this person. But through that, I have an older brother. He's six years older than me who was very much a father figure. And did all a lot of the, like the father figure things for me. So like, so you are Ian, yeah, <laughs> and I am Barley. Okay, so you were the older sibling. Yeah. Got it. All right. So okay. So my family history is pretty complicated too. There's a lot of steps and halves. Um, as for my father, we have been no contact for well over a decade. I'm pretty sure I've spoken about this at some point on Mm -hmm. this show. Um, And I have a very passing relationship with my brother and my stepbrother. Okay. My brother once said to me, as something of a badge of honor... That he was proud that he was the only one who would never run away from home. So that should tell you. Okay. All right. That should tell you what my house was like growing up. And it, I think I'm, I turned 40 years old in a couple of weeks. And I am pretty sure if asked, everyone in my family would still tell you that I was a child. So, okay. 
Um, I will also be mentioning later my half-sister from my mom's side because that's where I'm the barley. Okay. All right. It's, it's going to be a great time, guys. Just buckle up. <laughs> so only a slightly uh, controversial cast here. Yeah, I think mostly... We're okay. We're okay here. I would like to, before we get to the potential bits of interest, Kyle Bornheimer plays Walden, the dad. Yes. I really, the voice sounded very, very familiar to Mm -hmm. me, so I looked him up. He's a that guy. He's, he is definitely a that guy. He's been in a ton of stuff. So many things. But for me, the point of interest was if you are a Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul fan, he is the asshole stockbroker whose car Walt blows up. Okay. I haven't watched either. <laughs> and then in Better Call Saul, Jimmy and Kim are... run a scam on him in the bar, and he definitely, definitely deserves it. So he is definitely that guy, but that was a fun little point of reference, thinking of the asshole stockbroker being (laughs) the elf, narrating the beginning of the story. So that's that's what I'm going to leave you with. It's funny, too, because, like, I wanted to, I almost wanted to say he plays the voice of the father, when, like, they literally all play the voice of a character in this, but because of the way that the father is tipi- is just, like, a narrator, essentially, right? Right. Like, as a character, do you ever he doesn't see have, him... No, he doesn't, he doesn't ever speak. speak as the character. He no. only speaks as the narrator, right? Right. Okay. Um, so we only know him as a voice. And I... Oh, man. I just had, like, a revelation that would probably be better to discuss during the actual... De- talking about the plot. But this is deep. I've got a deep one for you. Okay. I like the way that to us, as the viewers of the movie, we only know the father as the voice because Ian only knows his father as a voice, too. Because he only has the tape. That's true. So. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a camcorder, but yes. Relative. No, he does not a video, Oh, though. no, that's it's right. Just right. It's just audio. It's just, it's just a tape. audio. So... It's him recording. Yeah. So Ian only knows his father as a voice, and we only know his father as a voice. Wow. That was nice. I know. I it's like, like that. it's like that it's... film, like that film minor I have. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is coming back to me in spits and spurts. <laughs> there we go. I got that one for you guys. You're welcome. <laughs> so um Octavius Spencer, um, I think, did she win her Oscar for the help? I believe she did. I think that's what she yeah. won it for. She <laughs> which, won the Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, which should tell you everything you ever wanted to know yeah. about the Academy Awards. Yep. Right there. Mm-hmm. But she's been in a number of remarkable films, and so I wanted to highlight her as the Manticore. I love the Manticore character. I do, too. She's so good. <laughs> so good. Um, we also have 
Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Laurel, the mom. Which to me, okay, so I know I knew it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus doing that voice, but to me it doesn't like scream, you're listening to Julia no, Louis-Dreyfus. No, she did a really she does good a job. Very good job, mm-hmm. yep. I, I agree. I never felt like... You never felt like you're listening to Elaine, right? Right, Elaine or um, What's-Her-Face from Veep. It didn't feel no. like that character was in this movie. Mm-hmm. No, she she really... I, I wish now that she did, would do more voice work mm-hmm. because it seems like she's got a talent for it. She's definitely one of those voice actresses that's good at getting like the emotion of the character through, I thought. Um, which can be like, which is one of the major knocks people have against just um, casting famous people to do voice work. And here you go. I didn't even know. Not that this is a f- spectacular film or anything, but she was uh, the voice of Rochelle in Plains and Princess Ada in A Bug's Life. Oh, I didn't know that. So, if you think about A Bug's Life, you can probably hear if you mm-hmm. put some thought into it, but Planes, I would not have... Mm-mm. I don't think I've ever seen Planes. At all. So, and it looks like she's going to be in a movie in 2021, <laughs> theoretically, called Rumble. Yeah, I just saw the first, like, I just saw a poster for this movie for the first time. It's about so, giant monsters. Yeah, it looks like monsters or dragons or something. Um, Will Arnett, Terry Crews, Becky Lynch. So that could be fun. It's it's produced by Paramount uh-huh. and WWE Studios. Well, okay, World then that actually... Wrestling Entertainment. In case no, you see, you, you say that dismissively. <laughs> But The Rock is one of my favorite yeah, actors. Yeah, I have nothing against The Rock, but, like, Roman Reigns is going to be in this one. I, I, I know, I know, <laughs> but but if you... No, I, I, they're not ever really great movies, but <laughs> I have to give the wrestlers of the WWE <laughs> full credit as actors, because that's harder work than people think it is, especially when it's so physical. Okay. Are, are they... But isn't this, like, the exact opposite of that? (laughs) Isn't, like, voice acting an animated film the exact opposite? Uh, mm, There might be some potential crossover. (laughs) No, I I, I don't know. There's a lot of... And there are others. There are other actors that have come out of the WWE that are not terrible either. So, I'm just saying. Okay, name them. Um... I really liked Edge in, um, what the hell was the name of that show? It was on Sci-Fi, um, Roanoke, The Colony, I can't, fuck, I can't. I have no idea what you're talking about, so. We don't, you don't do Sci-Fi the way that I do Sci-Fi. Yeah, we do differently our Sci-Fi. No, we do very different Sci-Fi. I can't, fuck, remember the name of that show, but it was good. Somebody will Google it. Somebody somebody will send us an angry email. It usually happens when we get something wrong, right? I hope so. That means somebody's <laughs> listening and cares. So, okay. What were we talking about? Oh, I have no idea. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. <laughs> um, so she was good. 
And we have Tom Holland is Ian. I don't I, think... I'm starting to feel bad for Tom Holland that he's only ever going to be, like, the, the um, like, scrappy kid. Like, scrappy young adult. <laughs> it's going to suck for him when he ages out of that, isn't it? Yeah. Because he's 24 now. <coughs> so, like, who got stuck in that same, like, Michael J. Fox? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, I think that he did, what was it? Spin City was yeah. the one where we got to see him as an adult, and he yeah. aged fairly well out of that. But there was a big But gap. there was a gap. And I don't know how much of that was, like, the Parkinson's or... No, that came on much later. Was that after Spin mm-hmm. City? Okay. Uh, much later. But, yeah, there was a pretty big gap there. Um, maybe knowing um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. and they, they have, like, a relationship outside of just oh, gosh, having yes. worked together. They are very Hopefully good that that will help him because I feel like that's kind of how Robert Downey Jr., to mm-hmm. an extent, you know... Rob Lowe had a similar problem until yeah. he went and did the West Wing. True. But there again, there was a fairly significant gap. And mm-hmm. he talks about that in his autobiography, which I cannot believe that I've read. But I have, in fact, <laughs> read Rob Lowe's autobiography. Is it, what is it called? Is it called, like, literally Rob, Rob Lowe? Literally Rob Lowe. That's what I would have named it. But... He does have at least another uh, Spider-Man movie coming out. Yeah. So that helps him, because he has to age for those movies. Right. And he's got... uh, He was filming, um, apparently, a video game series called Uncharted. Oh, yeah, he was supposed to play Nathan Drake. Yeah, that means something to you. It means nothing to me. Uncharted are some of my favorite games to watch my husband play. Awesome. Because <laughs> they have, like, a really good storyline. It's l- like watching a movie. I feel that, yes. I, 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 have, I have fond memories of dating my husband before we got married and watching Silent Hill. So I yeah. absolutely, un- which... Like, Holy I do shit. play video games. I play video games on my own. But, but like... there's di- there's a difference between... Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm terrible. So there are some games that I can play. I'm really good at racing games. Mm-hmm. But the shoot 'em up kill 'em people, those games, I am terrible at. But if it's got a good story, Mass Effect, any of those kinds of games, I'll sit there and I'll watch you play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. Nathan Drake, Uncharted, um... They began shooting, oh, March 16th. So, um... So they got nowhere. They've, they've gotten nowhere. And... He was also set to begin a film with Keanu Reeves, Anne Hathaway, Jeff Goldblum... Um, doesn't have a name yet. But... Who the hell knows on whatever the hell that was now. So, 
that's that's a really going to be really interesting because production schedules are already so tightly maintained. Mm-hmm. Man, when you when you're working with actors who are working with different production houses, that's one of the reasons that Marvel tried to sign everybody to exclusive contracts mm-hmm. so that they could say, "Oh Frank no, Frank you're too. coming over here yeah. to film right now. We need you here to film." Mm-hmm. But they can't who the hell even knows what that's going to look like? It's not like they're just going to be able to pick back up from March mm-hmm. of this year and go, okay, let's get started. Right. Because we've all put on a quarantine 15, and I'm sure that there's some actors out there, too. So, that is the perfect segue. I mean, unbelievably <laughs> perfect segue into the man of the hour, the man... We are here to discuss somewhat at length tonight, and it is Chris Pratt. So, I think, like everybody, I loved Chris Pratt as Andy Richter. Like, I just, I think he's awesome at that character. I really like him. I loved the first Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I made the mistake. You're missing Emmett Burkowski, too, which is. Oh, right. Yep, Emmett. From the Lego movie. So I feel like we've probably discussed Chris at least a little bit. We should have gone back and listened to that episode. but No, I think we kind of touched on it. Um, But so for me, I made the mistake of following him on Instagram. And he does this thing every year during Lent where he goes on like a hike. But he carries a full-size cross in, like, the foothills of California. He goes on a hike and carries a full-size cross. So I am always a little weirded out by strange displays of, like, religion. Devout religion. It's Um, not just religion. This This is the equivalent to me dancing around in my front courtyard naked. At noon. Right. So, and and to me, it's like the, the, and I hate saying this because, like, I I don't want to come across as somebody who's, like, not open to people who are, like, have different beliefs than me, which is, like, entirely not true. It's when somebody gets involved with the kind of church that Chris Pratt is involved in. Uh, He's involved with a church called Hillsong which is based out of L.A. They are non-denominational. So when we say non-denominational, a lot of people don't always know what that means. Think in your head of the churches with, like, in giant stadiums that have, like, rock and roll bands. That's a non-denominational. Joel Osteen is the leader of a Mm non-denominational Christian church. So So generally we're talking about the mega churches Mm -hmm. and the ones with rock bands and a lot of singing and um, which is fine. You know, that's fine too. Like there may not be anything wrong with that. It's just this particular brand of this. Um, Hillsong has been accused of being anti-LGBTQ+. They're one of those churches that it's alleged they they have a lot of um, celebrity members in their congregation, and they maybe will... not as many as are in the new Puff Daddy Church, 
I have no idea. I don't know anything about that. Um, but we're talking like this church is like actively seeking out celebrity members in the right. same kind of way that Scientology actively seeks out sci- uh, celebrity members. Now, and, there's a reason for that. And that all has to do with prosperity gospel. And getting more people to join. Because well, you think that you see that somebody's celebrity is successful and... Okay, well, maybe I'll get into this church and I'll be successful and I'll get an in with whoever and blah 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 blah. You're 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 overlooking the God aspect of right. it, though, which I feel is important because prosperity gospel teaches that if you give your due portion to God, you'll get back everything and more in return that you could desire. So it's this weird kind of. Man, it's all over the spectrum in terms of privilege and elitism and how it calls in poor people mm-hmm. under the guise of getting their money so that they, too, can have the wealth of a Chris Pratt. Right. So, I don't know. There's just a lot about that church in particular that is not necessarily above the board in my Eyes. Um, and then he married uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter. Catherine Schwarzenegger. <laughs> who's, so, like, significantly younger than him, right? Um, I think... Let me take a look. So, he is my age, I believe. Yeah, 41. She is 30. Oh, that's not too bad. I That's not... I'm okay with that. Yeah. <sighs> I look at anything much larger than seven years as a bit of an uncomfortable age gap. I think for me, a lot of, like, a lot of where I question large age gap um, relationships is when the two people met where one was clearly an adult and one was clearly still a child. That's always going to raise flags regardless of how long they waited before they, like made that a relationship that always makes me uncomfortable um but also if he's like 41 and she's 30 i would say that that's like they're fully adults at that point i i don't and that's fair i think you're a mature adult at 30 generally well and she was 28 when Mm -hmm. they started dating so she certainly was an adult but i have to say After so many years trolling Reddit's relationship forums, anything more than a seven-year cap, honestly, all the red flags, baby. There's just so many significant differences in people over time. And you're right, 30 and 40, not that bad, but it is still, he left his wife... That was his age. Anna Ferris. She's mm-hmm. also an actress. She's in the show Mom. Um, there's, I mean, I don't know. I can't speak to their relationship. There's questionable things on both sides of it. Um, he says that what drove him back to religion was his son was born incredibly premature, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Nine um, weeks. Yeah. Three pounds, 12 ounces, apparently. Which so that's is his son with tiny. Anna Ferris. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, I guess, like, I mean, if this is the bone that we have to pick with Chris Pratt, given who we've also talked about throughout the course of this podcast. Right. Like, it's minor. It's it's like, whatever. 
You know, I, I really, I, I really hate that that's the state I know, that we've reached. I know. Like, we're looking at this going, eh, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. On a scale of Jackie Chan to <laughs> fucking Dustin Hoffman, mm-hmm. we're still kind of at the Jackie Chan end of the spectrum here. Yeah. So, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, it's fine. Um, One really odd <laughs> voice actor or like actor who is a voice in this movie is Wilmer Valderrama. He yes. plays the um he plays the the father that uh the college Ian runs friend. into. Yeah, right. who was the college friend of his dad. Such a like little like Wilmer Valderrama. <clears throat> I know Lincoln bit part Inez. for he feels like the guy in the hallway for that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And for the record, since it is Pixar, John Ratzenberger is Fenwick the Cyclops. We see him at the end where we're going back. One of the construction workers. Right, where we're back in the fountain and he's the guy saying, no, 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 you can't be here. Call the cops. So there you go. Okay. Well, I think that is the cast. I don't think this place has a name. Which is... Perhaps maybe the my my second beef about the world building here. My first beef is because I'm with you. As I watched it again today, I was really disappointed that we did not have more '70s and '80s hair bands. I really feel like this film was like really Made for that. just set to have <laughs> '80s and '90s like metal. Mm-hmm. Hair bands. I, I mean hair bands. Yeah. Like... But, like... Uh, I mean, we all knew that guy with that van. I slept with that guy. <laughs> I was a little too young for that. But... <laughs> um, I, like, I just... I feel like it's such a missed opportunity. It really, I, I, I like, agree. How cool would it have been if you had gotten, like, some, like... There needed to be ACDC even or Metallica. Like covers, even right. if like, you didn't want to go full heavy metal, See, and do I think, some like current day people, like take some current bands and have them do covers of right. heavy metal, right? That would have been great. Or, or have Metallica, because come on now, we're mm-hmm. talking about, and, and so many of Yeah, but then we'd have to have a whole around. conversation about how, how problematic Metallica is. Okay, but <laughs> so maybe that's why. Because there are no unproblematic 70s, 80s, 90s hair bands. No, but I think, I really think that they should have gotten some, like, current day bands. Like, somebody hip. To do some Motley Crue? (laughs) Yeah, to do some covers of some bands. I think it would have been great. And I really feel like it was such a missed opportunity. In particular, the one that really stood out to me was when... Barley pops in the the ride to Valhalla. Mm -hmm. Like, that was... Man, such a moment. Mm-hmm. And it should have had much more epic music. Yeah, the than soundtrack it did. is definitely my major like negative on this. But mm-hmm. I really love the world building and I like the way they bring how they start this movie with like the the so, way they went from magic to not being magical anymore. Because <laughs> of electricity. It's so much easier. <laughs> 
Well, and I like that they start laying the groundwork in the first minute for the spells, right? Mm -hmm. You get the magical rules right yeah. off the bat, which is so nice because in so many, especially kids' movies, they dumb down the magic mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, they're kids. They don't understand how magic works. And in fact, that is not the case here at all. Mm -hmm. We're very strict about how our magic works, what the rules are, what the circumstances are. It's a very discreet system. And I really, my geek heart loves that about this movie. And so in the same way that I want to know more about how the Zootopia world works, I want to know more about how this world works. Mm -hmm. Like we don't, do we ever get to see um, uh, Colt, how he drives the car? So we don't get to see how he drives the car, but when he gets out at the drawbridge, because I was looking for this yeah. one too, he kind of pulls his hind legs out where the back seat would go. Okay. So I feel like he's sitting his back haunches in the on back like seat. the bench seat there. <laughs> I just, and I love, I think my absolute favorite thing is that the unicorns are rabid like raccoons. <laughs> and not just unicorns. No, no, they're pegacorns. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're pegacorns. Because they on. fly. Because they yeah. fly. Mm -hmm. Any good Lisa Frank fan should know <laughs> that there's a difference between a Pegasus and a unicorn and a Pegacorn. Um, so the movie starts, it's what, Ian's birthday? Mm -hmm. It's his 16th birthday. Which is apparently the age of majority in this world, which I also liked because that's pretty traditional in magical worlds. 16? Mm-hmm. So mom come when mom says my you're a grown man or something and yeah. then Barley tries to knight him yeah. in the ways of old. Yeah, and he's he's wearing his dad's um sweatshirt, sweatshirt. from college mm -hmm. and Barley rips it. Um it's I think how much of an age gap is there between them, do you think? So if you base it on the picture on the wall, mm -hmm. when Ian is a baby, it looks like Barley was maybe four or five. Yeah, that was going to be my guess, four or five. So I think that's a pretty like typical relationship mm -hmm. between siblings with that kind of an age gap, mm -hmm. um, where they kind of just, they don't have anything in common. They don't have any reason to really like hang out or you know they're not BFFs no, at that point too much of an age gap for them to be playing with the same things at mm -hmm. the same time I've certainly observed this with all of my children since there's nine years between the two oldest and then six years between my sons mm -hmm. so there's just like and and my middle the older son, boy, he tries. He mm -hmm. tries so hard. He yeah, that's got to be tough because he can't relate on either side. Mm -mm. No, and he's always, he's always, as a very young child, was 
fascinated wildly with his big sister and mm-hmm. wanted to be everywhere she was and do everything that she was doing. And she is, of course, autistic, so she could not give the slightest care right. about this boy following her around or that he wanted to play with her. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, so I think he recognized what that felt like. So he's made something of an effort. Like, he tries really hard to play with my youngest. Mm-hmm. And he, too, I'm at three now, we're fairly sure he's on the spectrum, probably mm-hmm. fairly high-functioning. Mm-hmm. But still enough on the spectrum <laughs> my poor kid, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just wants to play with one of his siblings, and they're just not that interested in him. But he tries, and he tries very hard to be a good big brother. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very important to him that he show his little brother around the world. And I think, for me, more than anything else, the brother relationship here is what shines. Yeah, this I film. think so too. But I also like that they make it relatable from the beginning because I don't think until you get retrospective about things, you don't necessarily see that relationship for what it was until after. No, not until not until the end and mm-hmm. Ian's doing his checklist. But I think like even in real life, that's mm-hmm. how it is. Like mm-hmm. I didn't think of my brother as having a father figure role until I was an adult. And then I looked back on it and I was like, well, you know what? He did do a lot of those things that, like, you typically see a father doing for somebody. He's the one that stood on the porch and yelled at my first boyfriend, who was our paper boy. You know, he was the one who taught me how to throw a softball and made sure I had a good glove when I started playing. And eventually, you know, he's the one that walked me down the aisle when I got married. But, like, until I was sitting down and trying to be introspective about things, it's not, or until I, you know, was an adult myself, it's not something I was completely aware of in the moment. And I think that that's kind of, that's shown here, obviously. It's mm-hmm. like, as the story progresses, that's when uh, they have that moment where he, like, realizes that Ian wanted this relationship with his dad, and he makes the list of things he wants to do with his dad, and then he does them all with Barley, and, you know... And has done them all with Barley. And that's... Mm -hmm. Oh, Barley. Barley is... So, if Ian is 16 and Barley is four or five years older... 20 or 21, yeah. And his mom remarks at one point in time, this is the longest gap year ever. (laughs) So, clearly... He has been at home causing problems underfoot. Yeah, but like no. not in a malicious way. No, like no, he's no. Not really a bad guy. No, he's all. not. He's got, you know, I really, it's so ironic to me how well Pixar does humanity when we're not talking about humans. Mm-hmm. Because. They're elves, right? But, like, they're people. And the humanity here in this poor boy who lost his dad at such a young age, his mom 
was probably checked out for a while mm-hmm. because she'd lost her husband and she had this brand new baby. Like, right. things were rough for Barley for a while. Mm-hmm. And yet he is undoubtedly just a good person. Mm-hmm. There are so many moments where he could have been malicious mm-hmm. or vicious or jealous or resentful, right. and he is none of those things mm-hmm. at any point in time. Right. So, I guess we're at Ian going to school, right? Right. And this is where he meets... His, his breakfast is ruined several times, mostly by Barley, but also by the pet dragon. I love the pet dragon. I love the pet dragon. I would love a pet dragon. Like right? That. I don't care <laughs> that it would knock me over. Just give me a pet Set dragon. Set things on fire. I just I, want a pet dragon. I want a pet dragon. <laughs> so he goes to the fast food restaurant to pick up breakfast and meets Wilmer. I guess, because, like, old college friend doesn't really have a name. He does. It's Gaxton. Oh. Apparently. Great. Old college friend's appropriate. Old college friend. And they have a conversation about how Ian's dad was remarkable, I think, is a good way. He was a very standout kind of person. Right. Which is tough for Ian to hear, because he's still sixteen and a wallflower and trying to figure out who he's going to be in the world. So it's a good conversation for Ian, and then he goes to school and he tries to be all of these things that Mm -hmm. his dad was, and he writes the list on his hand. For to go invite the kids to yeah. the God, it's such oh, a relatable fucking moment, right? That's like the that's the equivalent to getting ready to place an order over the phone and like you've like rehearsed it like fifteen times in your head before you go, right? It's, it's obvious that you and I have anxiety because <laughs> yes, that is absolutely something I relate yeah, to, yeah, and like. The the nine-year-old suffers from some of my anxiety. Yeah. And it is very clear to me, because I can see the wheels turning in his head, yep. where he's telling himself these stories, mm-hmm. which are factually incorrect. But it's really, it's, it's interesting to me to try and stop them where they start, because, like, he'll not want to go and knock on his friend's door, because what if they're not home? Mm-hmm. What if they get mad? What if, what if, what if, what if? And I'm like, yeah. have any of those things ever happened? Right. And it's one of those situations where, like, it's so easy to tell somebody else that. Right. But can you tell yourself but that when you're you doing yourself? it? No, of course not. You can't do it. Because in your head, your arguments for why that's going to be the way it is are valid. Oh, yeah. Perfectly valid. <laughs> They're all legitimate reasons why you should allow yourself to feel for your feelings to matter more than facts. Yeah. And I think that's... A big part of what anxiety is. And that should help you understand why neither of us can focus these days. 
<laughs> it's becoming more and more clear to me why we like this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, no shit. All right, so Ian goes through his day at school. He does not invite the kids to the party in he the He tries, school. but he then tries. he reneges at the end because Barley comes well, around. Well, because Barley shows up in, in Guinevere, which... And I mean, like, chances are the kids would have loved to ride home with him in Guinevere, right? Of course they would have. Like, come on, of it's a bunch of high school kids. They're going to get a ride home from school? They're not going to have to ride the school bus? I'm in there in a heartbeat. It doesn't matter that Guinevere looks like Guinevere. And in fact, the only one likely to be embarrassed about Guinevere is Ian, right? There's Mm -hmm. just, everybody else is going to be like, oh, it's so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, we get so up in our own heads. And Mm -hmm. Ian is really drawn spectacularly well in that way. So, Barley... Takes him home, and they run into Colt. <laughs> I love who's a centaur and a police officer, and really just an all-around good guy. He really he is for all that he's you know. He's there because Barley was protesting something, right? Because Barley was protesting the fountain. The one right across the street from the school, Mm -hmm. which is probably why he was there so conveniently to pick Ian up afterwards. Oh, right. (laughs) Right. Yeah, because it's right by the school. Because it's right across the street from the school. They they actually, now that I'm saying that, they foreshadowed that really well if you were paying attention. You just didn't catch it the first time around. Right. So... Colt shows up. Are you working hard or hardly working? And I know I just I will, I wanted to punch him in the face on their behalf. <laughs> like, what a stupid dad joke! Oh, he 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 reminds me king of dad jokes. <laughs> this is I think where Barley busts out his first well not his first piece but the first relevant piece of inconsequential in-game RPG knowledge, which is that Broncos can run up to 70 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did anyone else notice that he was driving a Bronco? Oh, no, I didn't. No, he was driving a Bronco. As a centaur. That's funny. And his name is Colt Bronco. Uh (laughs) That's funny. How many... (laughs) How many other horse names could they give the guy? <laughs> and it was. It was a Ford Bronco, just so we're clear. All right. All right. So, let's see. Um, after Colt leaves, Laurel gives the boys the staff. And they unwrap it and... Barley has died and gone to heaven. Here is the magic wand of his games and dreams and treasures. And he spends, it looks like, a fair amount of tries Mm -hmm. trying to make that staff work. Because you can see Ian and Laurel shifting around the room. Mm -hmm. And it becomes, like, dust. Later and later. But he tries hard. 
So Laurel goes to get the cake and Ian starts reading the spell off. And so it starts. So when I was watching it again today, I think that if Ian had read the spell and allowed Barley to brace him like mm -hmm. he did with the second gem, mm -hmm. like he tried to do, and Ian said, Barley, no. Yeah. I everything would have been okay. I think that everything would have been okay the first time. Mm -hmm. I'm almost certain of it. So there's a lot of that push and pull in Ian and Barley's relationship. And Ian doesn't trust Barley because Barley is ready to go on an adventure, right? It's all an adventure yeah. to him. And when he comes in, like, the f he's here again, could be resentful, could be jealous of the fact that his little brother has the gift that he's, he's trained for, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, in many ways, RPGs are... Role-playing is we play them because that's what we want to be doing. Right. It's better than real life in fictional sorts of ways. It's like acting, kind of. But beyond that, too, like, in um, in some games, you definitely learn, like, people management skills. Mm -hmm. If you're, like, a, like, I'm thinking of it more coming from, like, an MMORPG background. Mm -hmm. I've never played, like, an actual true, like, RPG just online um like i've never played dungeons and dragons mm -hmm. but i've played a whole lot of world of warcraft and coming from that you definitely like if you're leading um like a raid or a pickup group you're learning people skills mm -hmm. that are actually very valuable in life later on um and especially like right now when all of our interactions are for the most part online you know they're not face to face my biz bestie right now has figured out a way to turn an RPG into a sales game. So we play RPG stuff, but she's managed to figure out how to turn it into your sales strategy and how you sell things as an entrepreneur. And so she does these whole coaching calls and then we come together and play the game mm -hmm. and there are actually compatible skills, which is, it's mind blowing to me how she's managed to figure out how to make this work. But there are things that I do in the game that then prepare me to go out and sell my totally non-related shit mm -hmm. to real world customers and clients. Mm -hmm. So... If I can learn sales from a role-playing right. game, then you absolutely do learn people skills, soft skills, mm -hmm. emotional IQ skills. That's It's all there. Right. And I think that, like, speaks to the fact that Barley isn't upset that mm -hmm. Ian has the skill that he doesn't have. He sees no, it he's more as, like, this excited. benefits all of us. You right. know, this is a thing we get to do now because you can do this. Mm -hmm. Whereas just if I, you know, if it was just me, I wouldn't be able to do it. I can't do it. Mm -hmm. So now, because for Barley, always and forever, I think, he and Ian are a team. Yeah. 
So, and I think that that always comes through in how they, in how Barley treats mm -hmm. him. But I don't think Ian appreciates it until no, the he end. doesn't. So, he doesn't let Barley brace him. The spell doesn't work correctly. And we have half a dad. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny, too. It's the bottom half. <laughs> it's the feet, which they used that lovely little relationship that Barley used to tap on his dad's feet mm -hmm. under the table. Because, yeah, very young. I mean, mm -hmm. my three-year-old still f crawls under the table. I mean, mm -hmm. does your five-year-old now? Oh, yeah, like at my mother-in-law's house, she has, like, a table with, like, a a big um, bench along the one side. So, like, if we're eating dinner and he's done, he can't get out until we get out. So he does the, like, under-the-table <laughs> escape. <laughs> and, yeah, I think that's about that. But the, much past that, and we're past the under-the-table stage. Right, because yeah. you can't fit. So, so yeah, at most, he would have been five years old when his dad died. Yeah. So, because we have half a dad, we now have to go on a quest. And, yeah, Barley is insanely excited about the quest, which I, I just... <laughs> I, I, got love I love it. I love that he, he, like, I love that the RPG in this ends up being, like, all actual history. It would be like if, instead of Dungeons and Dragons, we were playing, like, Civil War. So and there that, are. You know what I mean? Like, huh? There are. Oh, I know, but, like, if, you know. <clears throat> but, but, yeah, if it, it would be if Dungeons and Dragons was a historical record. Right. <laughs> and they don't... I really, they don't get into the details of it, but you're right. The history of this world is fascinating because obviously, like, the Manticore knows who she used to be. Right. And who she is now. But, she, so she's a mythical creature. So I'm guessing that that means she has, like, a longevity life. Oh, yeah, I'm sure she's immortal. So, like, so, like, Ian's family is generationally removed from magical times. Oh, absolutely. Okay. And as elves, if we're going by normal, and I say that with bunny rabbit ears, but normal <laughs> magical rules, then they're probably, they're still long-lived. They still probably live several hundred years. Mm -hmm. But even if they just live human lifespans... There is definitely the longevity of mm -hmm. being the, removed. Yeah. So let's see. We have, so we, we may as well just get to the Manticore's Tavern because we're not missing much here. We're just, we're going to see the Manticore who owns Chuck E. Cheese's now. <laughs> or Medieval Times. <laughs> there you go. Like a it's... combination, I guess. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not what the Manticore thought she'd be when no. she grew up. That's for sure. <laughs> and she won't give him the map because she won't send him on the quest. 
I can't, I meant to write it down and I forgot, but this, her quote on the wall about, oh, you have to take risks in life to have an adventure. So the manticore, whose quote on the wall, you know, emblazoned, plaqued, and everything, you have to take risks in life to have an adventure. And she's running medieval times. So probably not the life that she envisioned. Um, so when they, I do think that Barley's gift of reminding people is interesting, right? Uh -huh. Because it's not just the manticore that he does that to. He does it to the pixies too. Do you think when, he has, that's his power? Yeah, actually. Yeah. I think that if we wanted to talk about a magical gift, truth telling and storytelling and history mm -hmm. and bards are a very important part of the story, right? Because yeah. they're what keep the story alive. It's a role playing game to everyone else. To Barley, it is based on history. And so he's spent all of this time absorbing it as fact. Mm -hmm. So when he talks to the manticore about who she used to be, she remembers. Right. When he tells the pixies that they once had the ability to fly mm -hmm. and then they're falling from the sky and they use their wings. Oh, I guess we did have the ability to fly. <clears throat> so, okay. Um, so the manticore sets the tavern on fire. Accidentally. Uh, yeah. After she roasts the manticore's head. <laughs> the whole stuffed manticore is fantastic. I know, I love it. The manticore mascot. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so the brothers leave and they're going to take the highway. And this is yet another place where they have an argument about mm -hmm. the right way. Ian wants to take the highway to the mountain, which would never have gotten them to where they were going. Mm -hmm. So Barley wants to take the, <laughs> I can't remember the name of the path, but it's. Yeah. It's the old twisted road down the forest, right? right? Yep. They argue. The road they, less traveled, essentially. Essentially. They argue, and barley seeds, so they end up on the highway, but then they run out of gas. So that's where they end up at the gas station, shrinking barley. That in, was... in an effort to make more gas. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where he has the conversation with the pixies. Uh, I believe the dancing scene is right through there. Um, and then, so, um, I think somewhere after here is where they have the encounter with the cops. Yes, it's after the pixies. Um, yeah. And then they use the, like, cloaking spell. Mm-hmm. 
to turn themselves into cult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't lie. Yeah. Um, I think we roughly at the same time have Laurel and the Manticore going to the pawn shop yep. to get her sword back, which was a hysterical scene. That's that, Tracy Ullman. Yes. Voicing I, I wanted character. to highlight that myself because it was a short appearance, yeah. but just like peak Tracy Ullman, yep. no? <laughs> yeah, perfect for her. Um, okay, so then we end up on the Raven Path, and we have the whole sacrifice. And of... there's the scene with the crossing the gorge. Oh, right. I the... really liked that scene where, you know, Barley's telling him he doesn't need it, but then they tie him up, but then he gets halfway there and the thing comes I mean, off and rope... Barley's trying not to let him realize that that's happened. I so what's funny is if you pay attention, he follows all of his rules. Mm -hmm. Like, he never tells a lie there. Mm -hmm. It's always factually correct. Because, mm -hmm. again, it's a game to everyone else. To mm -hmm. Barley, it's the rules of the world that he's right. been learning all of this time so that he can... I don't think... None of this would have happened... I, I mean, it wouldn't have happened at all if Ian had listened to Barley in the first place. Mm -hmm. But they would never have completed the quest without Barley there to tell and navigate. Right. Yeah. So, I do... Um, so, he crosses over here. This is where uh, Colt gets out of the Bronco. <laughs> and then they have the whole police chase, which yeah. is hysterical. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like there's probably some commentary to be made about privilege there, but I'm too tired. It's 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 a different world than we live in. There we go. Let's let's go ahead and mm -hmm. go with that because <laughs> yeah, we can't speak to the we can't speak to the uh, systemic injustices of this world because we don't live there of this world that we don't even know the name Does, for we don't know we it. do not live there and the name of the town is new mushroom town we don't know anything but, but else that's about it. that's all we know um i love the scene where they sacrifice guinevere mm -hmm. but again back to this needing a better soundtrack that oh yeah there needed. should have been something much more something epic, epic. yeah tearing guitars mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. you know yeah it, it, it could have been so much better. Mm -hmm. And it was... It, I feel as though Guinevere deserved a better send-off mm -hmm. than that. <laughs> I love, I love, love, love that whatever happens when that's happening, something, like, breaks off and starts making it sound like a clopping noise, like a horse galloping. <laughs> it was the tire that yes. busted, but it, <laughs> but it does. But it starts clopping like a horse and oh, gallops. It's it. amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Perfect. <laughs> it really, it was great. And then they follow the birds to the water. And then take the giant Cheeto. Amazing. I love the giant Cheeto. And then they're eating it and they're playing like snowballs <laughs> with it. And... and Ian's casting fireworks mm -hmm. up into the cave ceiling. I mean, it was really. It was a really great travel montage and it, it was. was not drawn out. No. 
I mean, for a movie that is a travelogue, because mm-hmm. that is exactly what this movie is from beginning to end. We go from one place yep. to the next place, even though we don't go anywhere, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. We go from New Mushroom Town back to New Mushroom Town. Right. But it's it's still a travelogue, and yet right. they don't... So one of the things that I have a problem with travelogues is that they tend to become very monotonous. Like, right. I love the Lord of the Rings, but damn it all, if we're not just waking up and eating breakfast every day, especially <laughs> in the books, right? There's, yeah. there's so much of that. And I think because it was time compressed that we didn't have those problems yeah. here. But even without that, they really managed to just tell the story without being overwhelmingly tied to mm-hmm. the fact that we were traveling, I think. Right. Yep. So we get to the end of the river, climb up the tunnel, and we are right back where we Past started. the gelatinous goo. Oh, God, I'd forgotten <laughs> about... Can't forget the gelatinous cube! <laughs> The gelatinous cube is everything. <laughs> what is the gelatinous cube? I don't know, but we, we don't ever actually know what the gelatinous cube is, but it sucks everything up and it's bad. It's yeah. bad. Oh, <laughs> uh, So right back where we're at, at the high school and the fountain. Because it's the fountain where the gym is. Yeah. Which is right across the street. And this is where Ian throws his temper tantrum. Mm-hmm. And runs off with Dad to go sit by the water and reflect on how much he hates his brother. Because that's how what he's doing to, over yeah. there. Going, scratching shit angrily off the list like... Mm-hmm. Barley didn't let me do this thing, and Barley didn't let me do mm-hmm. this thing, and Barley didn't... Oh, shit. I did that thing with Barley, and mm-hmm. I did that thing with Barley, and it may not have been what I wanted, but I did it that thing with Barley, too. Which, I'm heaping massive tears at this point right. in time. So my, I, I just last week got to see my younger sister, who I am 16 years older than. Okay. And when I was 21 and she was four, our mom died. Okay. And I had a, my daughter was six months old mm-hmm. at the time. And her dad was, still is, an alcoholic. Okay. He he does okay for three, four, five weeks sometimes, and then he's gone on a bender, is how he tends to like to consume his alcohol. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I tried very hard to say, I'd love to take my sister. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to take my sister. We could offer her a good place here. 
<clears throat> and no one was interested because I think because they still all saw me as mm -hmm. I don't know 10 years old I was 21 I was about to have a baby it did not matter to mm -hmm. any of them I was still a child I was not the responsible one mm -hmm. who could take this four-year-old kid so we ended up moving across the country Mm -hmm. And throughout the years, I have had very nominal contact with my sister because I'm 16 years older than yeah. her. What do I have in common with my sister, who right. I am 16 years older than? And my hope always was that eventually she would be an adult mm -hmm. and we would be able to have a relationship. And sure enough, she swung through town a couple weeks ago. We had dinner together. And ever since then, we've been sending memes to each other mm -hmm. because that is clearly my love language. That's how... Memes are my love language. And they're hers, too. That's how That's I know how we're sisters. That's how our generations relate. <laughs> I, there, there's a lot to it. Like, there's... I can say a lot with a meme... Yeah. that I can't say mm -hmm. in words and communicate right. nearly as clearly. So for us in particular, our generation, I feel like we're not big fans of reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. And we meme things as a way to go, this, this mm -hmm. is the best way that we found right now to say or express this sentiment. Right. How many times have you sent a meme and literally just wrote this? Oh, so many times. <laughs> I mean... And again, you and I are here together because of a message board right. based on snarking on blogs. Right. So much of our initial relationship was built on imager links, right? Mm -hmm. Like this. Right. Yep. This is how our generation communicates. This is how we talk to each other. And yeah, so now... I, uh, I have my sister who mm -hmm. I get to have this relationship with and it's been great, but I, I for me then there's a lot of bitterness to this story because mm -hmm. I missed out. Right. You didn't get to have that things. relationship. I didn't get to have those things. I would, would she have been like, would she have been more like my kid than my little sister? Probably. Yeah, definitely. Because I'm 16 years older yeah. than her. But would she have had a better life than the one she had? Probably. Right. And I feel a lot of ways about that. Mm -hmm. Because I feel, at least in part, responsible for that. Mm -hmm. So, watching Ian realize mm -hmm. what his brother has meant to him what barley has done for him how present and encouraging he has tried to be yeah that was a that was a tough one for me and for ian too i think and we forgot to mention too that when barley was little and they asked him to come say goodbye to his dad right he ran away because he was scared mm-hmm which I think is probably a super normal reaction oh, for any God, little yes. kid. Oh, God, yes. To any kid whose parents... In fact, in fact, 
This is Chris Pratt's second character who does that, because that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy, that too. That does happen in Guardians of the um, Galaxy. So he never got to give his father a proper goodbye. And he holds that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that Ian holds it for him when he gives up his time right. with his dad. Because could Barley have held off the dragon so that Ian could have the time? Maybe. I don't know, though. Like, there was a lot of magic involved right. in that last scene. Mm-hmm. What, what seems more likely is that Barley would have gotten flattened. Right. And, and nobody would have had time. And nobody would have had time. Mm-hmm. And... But again, just his utter willingness to sacrifice that over and over and over for his little brother is just remarkable to me. I like, too, that Pixar went there and didn't make it so that this there was a permanent solution to mm-hmm. this. No, it didn't end well. Mm-mm. I mean, it ended well, yeah. but it wasn't a stereotypical happy mm-hmm. ending. And we never get to see Wilden or hear that conversation Mm -hmm. that he has with Barley. In fact, it reminds me of what they did in Wreck-It Ralph 2 at the end sequence where um, Fix-It Felix and Calhoun are talking about the ways to be a perfect parent Mm -hmm. on the racetrack and the cars drive by as they're like it's so funny to me yeah so well what you have to do is and the cars drive by Mm -hmm. i like that they are we used to paint everything for kids in pretty broad Mm -hmm. strokes right that this is how it is and this is what it looks like I like that Pixar is trusting our children's imaginations. Right. Because for a lot of kids, there's possibility in that conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. So, okay. At which point then, um, we kill the dragon... Laurel and Ian work together to slay the dragon. I don't remember what happens to the manticore, but she must get injured in some way because she's not there for the end of the fight. Mm -hmm. So it's just Ian and his splinter, which I wrote it down because it was such a good line. When when Barley is trying to teach him about oh and they run out of gas and and barley's trying to get him to grow the gas can and ian's like gets a splinter and he says can't we just sand it down (laughs) and barley says no it's an ancient staff with magic and every glorious fiber you can't send it down and then the splinter is important and then the splinter is important because that's what he saves the world with. He pulls the splinter out of his hand, turns it into a full-size staff, and there mm-hmm. we go. So, I did... I liked the dragon's face, too. That was <laughs> so good. The piece of the mascot. Right? So, 
My son doesn't like this movie because he thinks the dragon is too scary. Well, I can actually see that at five years old. Yeah, I don't know. Well, so there's the eyebrow thing. Like, I, I can see how that... So, the the face is pretty neutral. Yeah. But then it opens up and roars, and that's kind of scary. Yeah. But really, what did it for me was when he pops the eyebrows <laughs> out and scowls at yeah. Ian. Like, oh, <laughs> well, that's just... That's a little over the line. <laughs> I thought that was really clever. Yeah, that was well done. So well done. Um, and then we have, obviously, the ending, which is just fantastic. We've got mm-hmm. Guinevere 2. We have a better relationship with the new and improved Colt Bronco, who yep. has grown out his mane. Has grown out his face. Seriously, like, that is one of my favorite parts. Me like, too. when and he, he takes the hat, hat off. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got Fabio hair. Yes. <laughs> and then runs off at 70 miles at an 70 hour. 70 miles an hour. Because Barley told him the story. And he yeah. remembered that he could run faster than the car that he drove. So, what I hope... Even if it's just RTV, man, I want to see more of this world. I'd really like a sequel. I know. I I'd too. really like to see this world after it's woken back up. Yeah. I wish, like, I wonder how this movie would have done. Because, like, as it stands, it only made $103 million at the box office on a budget well, of 175 to $200 million. But... Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna use those numbers no. when determining whether or not what the numbers they'll actually use, and we'll never get to see them. But they'll be the internals. The Disney from Plus Disney Pluses. Yeah. Speaking of, I can't imagine what the numbers are gonna be like for Hamilton for them. So I have not seen Hamilton. They have actually secretly, unannounced, stopped doing free trial periods for Disney Plus. Oh really? So yes. that you can't you just have sign to up actually for a sign free up time. For a month. You yes. can't sign up for a free mm-hmm. trial just to watch Hamilton. Right. Which So you have to give them like the minimum whatever, nine ninety five or something like right. that. I don't even know. Because I signed up in no, like a bucket it's deal. Seven ninety five. Okay. It's not even that ex- it's it's one of my cheaper streamers. And I have to say, given how many movies my children watch on Disney Plus during the day, it is certainly worth every fucking penny I pay <laughs> for it. But I would pay twice that for Hamilton. I'm yeah, very I know. excited. I'm so, I'm so excited. excited. Because it was here last summer, and I didn't get to go. Yeah. And I was bitterly disappointed. And then it was supposed to come here again this November. But that's and, not happening. But that's not fucking <laughs> happening. Yeah. Who the hell even knows when they're going to tour again? I, I believe I, we were supposed to have it this season, too. Like, this winter season coming up. Um, and, I mean, Broadway's closed until oh, January. Yeah. Which, understandably so, I'm not surprised there. Well, and you say until January, and I say let's see in January. Oh yeah, happens. sure, absolutely. I'm I'm positive that that will. I mean, depending on what the state of things is, it's it's that way for everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so. Speaking of, we haven't actually discussed what the hell we're recording next week. 
So you'll know when we release it, I guess. Because we haven't decided yet. We haven't decided yet. No. We'll decide after we stop recording tonight, and you'll just have to be surprised is all I have for you here. (laughs) All right, so let's talk (laughs) about um, age real quick. So my nine-year-old loved it. Your five-year-old was afraid of the dragon. I I also felt, I remember when I first saw it in the theater, um, my my one takeaway comment for age was that I feel like it relies a little bit uh, heavily on Ian's list. And mm-hmm. so kids who can't read. Kids who can't read aren't mm-hmm. going to be able to catch that. Ooh, that's a really good point. Because he doesn't say those things aloud. No, he doesn't. So you have to be able to read the list to know. Or, that I mean, I don't know if I want to, like, completely just, like, not give my kid credit for picking up on what that meant. But... The nuance. But, no, you're right. There's, there's something there that is very heavily in multiple places. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think that he reads the list aloud when he's talking about how he wants to be like his dad. Okay. But I'm not sure that he reads it again at the end. Mm-hmm. There is some of it there, but not a lot of it. So, okay. so context-wise, that is, I guess, readers then, which we would say is six years old. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a that's a good note. Um, we're at Halloween costume. <laughs> I don't even. I've got a list of things I don't want to talk about right now, and it's school in the fall, birthdays, and Halloween. Halloween is kind of on my list too because this Halloween was really going to be a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I was just going to be celebrating my twentieth wedding anniversary that I was supposed to be getting married at. Like, it's a big solar fest. Well, it's not solar, but it's a big Sabbath. There's an extra hour because mm-hmm. daylight's sitting. None of that shit matters Saturday. now. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck. It was supposed to be such an epic Halloween. It was you know supposed to be an epic be year. Right? Do you know what my word was for this year? I, I still, I'm, I'm a little bitter about it. And I have to say, my word for 2020 was unforgettable. Well, there you go. It is. It certainly <laughs> is that. One for the history books. Oh, my God. It's just not the unforgettable that I had planned on. I've recently learned that maybe I need to stop trying to specifically manifest things. So <laughs> I'm going to go with that. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Final score out of five. Uh, I would give this one a four and a half for lack of soundtrack. Yeah, that's what it is for me, too. It would be a solid five if they'd done some covers or actual hair bands. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, this is a brilliant film. And Mm -hmm. I, I am sad that it didn't get its due in the theaters because it really deserved it. I agree. Um, so yeah, that's what we got for you. I'm sure there's shit you can complain about. Please do find us at Latchkey Movies on Facebook and Instagram. You can send us an email, latchkeymovies at gmail.com, or you can call us. That's 402-885-4875. Leave us a grumpy, angry email. We might leave We might play it on the Wouldn't that be fun? It would be hilarious. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.